Welcome to Behind the Smoke Podcast, Barbecue War Stories. My name is Sean Walchef with Cali Comfort Barbecue. We are recording above the butcher shop in beautiful Spring Valley with my man Derek Marceau from Valley Farm Market. And uh, we're getting close to Del Mar, my man. I can't believe how close it is. I mean, we talked about it last week, but it's insane that we have a year to prepare for it every year, and it just jumps up on us that quick. It's it's uh, it's exciting. We just had a really cool meeting, um, bringing on one of my buddies, Johnny Castillo, and um, seeing if he can't help with a little bit of the marketing media with Corey. And it's uh, it's here. It is here. It's really cool. I mean, the Turf and Surf Barbecue Championship is going to be August nineteenth up at the Del Mar Races. We've already started selling tickets, VIP tickets. Um, today's guest, Ben and Shelly Higgins, they're going to be gracing us um, with their presence. They're going to be celebrity judges, going to help us with the tri-tip category, which is a new category this year, uh, tri-tip and open seafood. Seafood. Seafood I'm, and tri-tip. I'm really pumped about the seafood. Uh, our booth at Valley Farm, we're going to be doing a lot of seafood. I think we're going to do um, some pokey. We're going to do some smoked salmon. Um, I might bring out some ceviche. just depends on uh, what else we got for seafood restaurants we're very excited well we're very excited to have you guys here um for us it's really cool behind the smoke we we get to do a lot of really cool things because of barbecue and uh ben higgins and myself we met way many 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 years ago um back when ben was working for extra sports 1360 um doing the morning radio show with uh our good friend chris ello and uh did a couple live remote broadcasts from cali comfort and um that's kind of when we first met and now today to uh, be able to bring you and your wife on uh, because you guys just started a podcast for Mighty 1090. I hear that uh, Scott Kaplan was the one that pushed you guys into uh, this new this new uh, new media, new uh, new platform. He did. He came up with the idea for Ben and I to do a podcast from the Regal Siegel up in Lucadia because we eat lunch there every Friday together and... Ben really doesn't need any more work hours in his day <laughs> as he has it now. So well, we hang out and we do the podcast. And tell, tell me your schedule. So you up at 4.30? Uh, yeah, I get up about 4.35 to 4.45 every day. Kind of double alarm because it's not always, the first time doesn't always work. Uh, then to the radio station, Woodsy's already there, ready for Ben and Woods on the Mighty 1090. We start 6 o'clock until 10. Four uh, hours. Four hours on the Sports radio. Sports talk radio. Uh, and then usually 15, 20 minutes meeting, wrapping things up, and then get to go back home to see Shelly and if the kids are out of school, like in the summer, for a little while. And then around uh, 2 o'clock, I start getting ready, putting on the TV clothes and such, and heading down to Channel 10, which is not that far uh, from here in Spring Valley, uh, along the 94. And then uh, usually the 5, 6, and 11, and I'm there from about... 3.15 until 11.35 when we're done with the night show and back up to Encinitas about 12.15 home go to sleep, get up and do it again the next day You're bas- yeah. basically a vampire I am, well, yeah, but I'm also awake during the day, so <laughs> I don't know what's the, the kind of a, a, a vampire who, who also keeps day hours A, a vampire who's <laughs> somehow managed to schedule in podcasting time into that ridiculous schedule. Exactly. Yeah, that's impressive. We we put in a lot of hours. <laughs> this is the fun. This is the fun part of life. I mean, you said uh, we do our podcast at the bar, so that's kind of fun time for us. I've done a radio show in front of your giant smoker at Cali Comfort, yep. but I've never done a broadcast above a butcher shop. So this it's, is new I'm, for me. I'm very, very happy that in all of your years that we could give you a first. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's it's an honor for us. And, you know, it's an honor for us to 
have you guys come out to the event too. You know, it's um, it's funny that barbecue can bring so many different people together, um, and that's what Sean and I have talked about so many times. It's it's important in in nowadays to figure out a something that can bring everyone together in this world that's getting divided. So let it be barbecue. Let's have fun and get after it. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the cool things was watching, you know, both of you on social media, but you guys becoming a big green egg owners and big green eggs been huge supporters of both the Del Mar event and our spring Valley event. And we're really excited this year. They're going to have a huge big green egg experience. We're going to have Dr. Barbecue. Ray Lampy's going to come out, sign some books, uh, put on cooking demos. Gene's going to put on a cooking demo, but you know, you guys are in it. Like you're using it. Yeah, we love our big green egg. Yes. And I think that And you post you, about it all the time. Yeah, and and we love trying new things on it. And I think that you really helped us decide that that's what we wanted to do when we were looking for, you know, a new barbecue. Did I did I something. did I help I think, push you? I'm a I good pusher. I think that you did you helped push Ben towards it, I think. Well, I, you know, I, people think, yeah, you're in radio, you're in television, you probably got it for free. No, we, uh, we researched <laughs> no, we, and we, wanted we to get the best, research. we wanted to get the best real barbecue that we could, that uh, fits in a backyard that we could possibly do. And it, after talking to enough people, I think yourself included, we settled the big rain egg was the way to go. And I and think then the we bur- had someone build us a table. Oh yeah. Which it's we like, love. Aw- it's awesome. A custom table. Really so it's a, built, it. it's yeah. a built in now. Yeah it's, yeah. it's built into a custom table, kind of a, a, a solid hardwood table that got an angle. So you can put all your barbecue extras on there underneath. There's room to put, uh, you know, uh, the briquettes or wherever you need to storage on, underneath. And it, what's really great about it is, you know, Shelly also bakes and stuff that you'd made, um, actual dessert on the egg earlier just, this week just last weekend i made hand pies blueberry hand pies nice baked wow. them in the egg i was like not going to i was gonna just use the oven and then but we had the egg going so i was i thought let's just try this and it's, it worked it's extremely versatile mm-hmm. and that's that's one of the things that it's um we we talk about you, know, you can do pizzas you can smoke on it you can grill on it you can bake on it you can do all those different things and finding out what works for you there's there's no everyone asks us all the time What's the best? Well, there's no such thing as the best. It's what works best for you, you know? So for us, Old Hickory works best for us for our commercial and doing the mass quantity that we need to do. Um, If someone doesn't have a lot of time, they want to kind of set it and forget it, Traeger's a good option, a pellet smoker, something like that. If you have a little bit of time, you can do, you know, we have a big green egg outside that we reverse here all of our tri-tip on. And I mean, that that works best for us. Um, But it's just so damn versatile and it keeps that temperature so well. That's that's why we're just huge, huge fans of it. Yeah, yeah, I think one of the cool things, too, is just the way that they're they embrace events. You know, so doing the San Diego Egg Fest and having you, Ben, come out with Jack. You know, we had Scott Kaplan, who just became a big green egg owner because of Brian at Hot Sauces and more. And then, I mean, even at that event, Jim Trotter got convinced to buy a big green egg. I feel and I was partly like, responsible. Like he, like he actually <laughs> bought the big green egg. You know, they yeah. didn't give it to him. And he's a guy, you know, that we all love from so, San Diego sports. Uh, Scott Kaplan, you mentioned, yes. just got his egg, and he's still learning to use it. I need to. Shelly's like Scott and I have like been DMing like DMing and texting each other. You guys are dating. Well, kind of. Yes, we're dating. <laughs> um, we are. I think I've talked to Scott more this past week than I have been. Actually, now that I think about it, um, but he was like, "Shell, I want to do chicken on the egg." And honestly, we don't cook a lot of chicken at our house. We just, I just haven't i've mm-hmm. done wings on the egg but i really haven't cooked chicken breasts on the egg and <clears throat> excuse me so scott 
DM'd me asking me what to do. And I kind of went to some of those, you know, favorite websites that I look for things. Sure. I kind of told him and he was like, I didn't love how they turned out. They weren't perfect. And I said to him, you're going to have to do things multiple times on the egg before you nail it. Trust the process. Because you have process. to learn how to use yeah. the egg. But uh, we cooked some huli huli chicken the other night on the egg. And it was the best chicken I've ever made, let alone probably had. It like fell off the bone, which for me, I I just don't cook chicken that much. Cause right. It, it's it's not that easy. It's yeah. Really- Chicken's really, really easy to dry out. <laughs> yeah. It's very, very easy to dry it out. And it's one of the, the things where you need to learn how to brine. If you don't know how to brine or if you're going to marinate it, you know, it, that, that works as well. Um, but getting chicken right is very, very hard. Now, talking to Scott, I'll fucking text him here soon <laughs> and let him know, dude, you're going to fuck shit up first. Yeah. That, yeah. That's part totally. of the fun. That's part of, like, messing things up. And, and I mean, we talked about when I – I'm a certified Cicerone for beer. So I've been doing beer for 11 years. When I first started brewing beer – the first beer I ever made was hands down the absolute worst fucking beer oh, yeah, I ever had sure. in my life. Totally. And I drank all five gallons. Oh. I made sure I drank. you made it. Yeah, it was like. Proud of it. Everyone's like, is it good? I'm like, oh, you're just oh, so it's good. Delicious. You know, I, I, I went to go make it and I'm like, ooh, I like caramel, caramelized malts. Great. This this yeast is coming from here. Perfect. Oh, chocolate? Yep. Put some of that in there. It's like a 13% bomb. Oh, right? just, it was just horrible. Just like gut rot. But man, that's part of it. Right. You have to learn it. You have to mess things up. Same thing with brisket. We wear this out all the time. You know, talking with Chad Ward and, and all these guys, you have to just do it. Yeah. Just get out there and do it. They're like, oh, but I messed it up. It's like, you're going to mess it up. Yeah. That's part of the process is learning and doing and it. And realizing how important the temperature is. Like, yeah. I don't think until you really mess it up, you realize how important dialing in that and temperature on the egg yeah, is. Because sure. it takes nothing. Like, it, if it's too hot, you're done. Well, that brings me to a question I want to ask the barbecue guys. Because I always feel like I'm cheating a little bit. But it's so helpful, the internal meat thermometer, mm-hmm. to get the internal temperature just right. I want to sure. be, be able to the guy who can stick your thumb on a piece of meat and know exactly that it's medium rare or right. where you're going for it. Mm-hmm. But when you actually have the thermometer in there and it tells you exactly 135 degrees for my burger or 170 for a chicken thigh, sure. it's harder to mess up when it's, you do that. It's a sure. lot, lot harder. The issue you have with that is when you do briskets, you do bigger pieces of meat, you have to make sure. So no cattle is the same. So let's just say you get a, a USDA prime brisket. They can grade prime, but they could be a little bit different. So when you're when you're smoking them, sure. Do you want your internal temperature to be around 200? Absolutely. That's that's usually where you want to pull it off around two 200 to 205, give or take. We've talked about it the other day. I've had briskets that are done at 190. I grabbed them, felt them, and, and I'm like, that that brisket's fucking done. Pull that off. And I've had briskets that got done at what at 219. Like that's high or 214. That's extremely high. Like I just had to keep it kept stalling, wouldn't go, wouldn't go. Then finally it broke through. But you know, I think a, 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 a thermometer is phenomenal for people that. But once you start getting doing it enough and you have that feel, you, I, I can grab any. I can grab a steak. I can listen to a steak and tell you if it's almost done. Just because I'm fat and gluttonous and I've had so many damn steaks. Yeah, I mean that that goes to the Don't craft. Say yeah, that it goes it goes it goes, but it goes it goes it goes to the craft. I mean the things that we talk about. On this podcast, the things that we love, it, it's the craft. It's the process of 
literally fucking it up and then figuring out the better way to do it. You know, like Derek said, with beer, you know, he tried all these different types of ingredients. And then you realize that when Gene Goykachea came and taught us how to do barbecue the right way, he says, you don't need all these different things. You need to have quality product. You need to get down to the basics and you need to just care about what those temperatures are. You know, when we're running a restaurant for us, it's so important that temperature because that's part of the training process. Once we have somebody that's been cooking long enough, yeah, they'll be able to understand that those briskets are different. But when they start, they need to have somewhere to start. As a sportscaster, this is the difference between being a really good amateur and a professional. And sure. I, we're amateur barbecuers. Oh, yeah, and, sure. and Shell's really good. I mean, you know, she's she's better than most. But there is that next step up, you know, being able to just, as you said, hear the steak mm-hmm. and know where it is that... Until you're doing it pro and, you know, it's an everyday thing. I don't know that you can get to that level without, you know, just like anything else. You got to put in the time and the practice and the work at it. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to put you on the spot, Sean, but about three months ago, you told me something that you were reading about. It might have been the book that you read, Be, Be Too Good, where they can't uh, ignore you. Yeah. Um, Be but So basically, Good, They Can't Ignore You. By talking Newport. about the process and everyone wants this instant gratification. Everyone wants, they want to be the best right away. They want to be... You know, or they want to have the best job and and um, love you know what they're doing. That's the only way they want to live. I'm not going to go do this job because it's not what my true passion is. But you have to find things in that job that you can make your passion, right? Isn't that what you were? Yeah, kind of I mean, me, it's me? yeah, because part of it it's debunking the myth of what Steve Jobs said, and Steve Jobs famously, you know, follow your passion, and that follow your passion has created this whole movement of expecting that, hey, I'm just going to quit my job and then I'm going to go and I'm going to follow my passion. Like the world owes you something. The world doesn't owe you anything. You know, once you start, no matter what job you're doing, if you focus on that and you embrace those little details and you become so good at whatever that craft is, then other opportunities open up for you. I get a lot of um, young people who come in that are interested in sports radio or television and they say, I love sports. I love talking about sports. It's great. And that's that's a good place to start. Sure. But if you want to be successful in broadcasting, you need to be passionate about broadcasting, not about the topic necessarily. But you got to love the mechanics. Uh, radio shows more than just picking a good topic. There's a lot of little things to go. I'm still even learning today. That's part of our when we meet every day after the show, just little ways you can just be a little better here or there. And it's not having a better take on the Chargers or the Padres. It's how can you do radio better to keep the audience listening a little bit longer? And that's what I'm passionate about. You know, I, I mean, I love sports, but I like I like broadcasting TV and radio and ways to make it good and creative and different and compelling. That's that's where the passion comes from. Yeah. Give us a little idea of your your background about how you got into it, because I think that's important that because exactly what you said, people, they want that viral video. They want I want to be on Sports Center. I want to I want to be the winning barbecue team it's like part of that process is understanding that you gotta you gotta be in the shit you gotta deal with yeah the, um, the long journey so you know i was i was a sports talk radio listener mighty 690 growing up and i i found it fascinating and then when i was in high school i had an opportunity i had a decent voice and i wasn't afraid to use it so i started <laughs> doing public address for a basketball team you know introduce the starting lineups things like that when i went to college at uh, pomona college up in claremont I became the public address voice for all the sports. So 
you know, I'm comfortable doing that. But that's very different than broadcasting and radio. So I got an internship to learn about radio at the Mighty 690, uh, Extra Sports 690, I think, than it was at the time during college. And I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my life, but I knew I liked that. I liked being there. I liked learning more about radio and TV. So after I graduated, I came back figuring out what I was going to do and, and applied for a job. And Joe Titino, who I work with now, still at uh, the Mighty 1090, hired me as a you know producer off the air to kind of learn the ropes. And I uh, started there thinking, okay, I'll, I'll just do this for a, a year or two as I'm, you know, am I going to go to law school? What, you know, where, where's my career going to take me? And all of a sudden, we're getting an opportunity to get on the air a little bit. And you got a taste of that and really liked it. Uh, and then the big break came uh, just within two years. Uh, Craig Elston and I were 619 Sports on Twitter. Got the chance to host Padres pre- and post-game shows Very cool. on Kogo. And being a Padres fan, it's like, well, I'm not going to pass up that opportunity. Sure. So everything kind of on hold. And uh, did that for four years. That opened the door to Channel 10 as I was doing that and, and started filling in. I got very lucky. Most people have to... If you want to get into TV, you got to go to small markets, you know, Billings, Montana, my coworker, Steve Smith, Kalamazoo, Michigan, Bemidji, Minnesota, yep. Redding, California. And then you work your way back up to somewhere like San Diego. Right. I never had to leave. So it was kind of an easy choice well, for me to kind of stay. And- you say that it's luck, but I mean, we talked to Tabitha Lipkin. She was on this podcast and a lot of it's not luck. You put yourself in that position. You grinded out those hours. So. You know, a little bit of credit goes to you. Sure, absolutely. You put (laughs) right. Ben puts in so much work and has worked so hard in both of his jobs, all of his jobs that he's had. And you are so flexible. I mean, and I know Joe would say this, and your bosses at the TV station would say, if you're a yes man, if they ask you to do anything, you are there, and that's that's the passion, and that's you putting in that extra. I, no, I never fail to appreciate the opportunity I have. A lot of people would love to do what I do. So I, I never want to take it for granted. Sometimes I'll see, you know, older broadcasters, they get a, a bit cynical about the whole business. <laughs> sure. And I don't want to become that. Right. I want to I want to have that passion. I want to appreciate and know this is a really cool job that I get to do. And I want to continue to enjoy that. And yeah, it's long hours. And Obviously, I wish I could spend more time at home with Shell and the kids. You know, right now, though, I've got some great opportunities and you just have to kind of go for it when they present themselves. It's very cool that you're that self-aware about that. A lot of people miss that. You know, a lot. It's easy to complain. It's very, very easy to complain. And it's sometimes, I mean, even where we're at now, you know, it's hard. We own businesses. We have families. We're doing a ton of stuff. And it's like, man, it would be easy just to say, this sucks. But guess what? This is fucking rad. This journey that we're on, yeah. like, it's pretty fucking exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked that I get to come and I can provide for my 43 employees and I can provide for their families and I can do stuff for my family and we can be a part of something that's bigger than us. It's not just about me and, and that it's we're trying to give back to everybody. It's really, really cool. Sometimes you got to take a step back and look at that. But that's awesome. That you yeah. Do that. I mean, it's easy to see the sacrifices I make. I get no sleep, you know, all the hours <laughs> I'm on. Shell makes a ton of sacrifices as sure. well, knowing, you know, all the things she's got to take care of. We've got two boys at home. You know, we got a house. We got dogs, things to take care of, you know, to make my life possible. Sure. I couldn't do it without her I and the a, sacrifices she I have a she lot made. of friends who, who ask how we deal with your 
nights schedule because you know he's work he works every night mm-hmm. at TV and I always say the best Ben loves his jobs like yeah. and he never complains about work like mm-hmm. he never and that is dreamy for for a wife and right. a mother is to have someone come home from work and like it you know and also I have never you've always worked nights so we I don't yeah. even know any different like he worked nights when we were dating so I don't know any different but well I mean, one of the things I appreciate a lot is the fact that you're willing to be public about that. Uh, you know, before we lived in a world where it was, you know, there's these defined male roles, female roles in the house. And Derek and I were very quick to point out that we wouldn't be able to podcast. We wouldn't be able to be at Del Mar. We wouldn't be able to run our business to go and do all these unbelievable cool things if it wasn't for our wives back at home that are doing so many things behind the scenes to keep us who we are, you know, if, if it wasn't for Rosie, if it wasn't for Catherine, you know, we wouldn't be able to do all these amazing things. But now you guys, not only do you do that, but you're have opened yourself up to the podcast, which, you know, you have friends, they talk to you, but now you're literally broadcasting on the internet on everywhere, a kind of your story. Yeah. And it's fun. I mean, people liked following Ben and I on Twitter. And that's why it kind of even became something that's why Kaplan even came up it was with awesome the idea. because you, you love craft beer yeah I and love you've been craft active beer. on Twitter I love cooking um and you know I can cuss like a sailor and <laughs> Ben over here can't even say a bad word for the life of him so like people kind of liked that dynamic and you know we do we have a Ben has a weird schedule um but we have a lot of fun together and we do a lot of really rad things together and so our life is it's pretty sweet. I mean, it's it's pretty good life. Cool. What's your uh, what's your drink right now? What's your uh, what's your beer? So I call Racer Five my boyfriend. Okay. Because that's <laughs> that's the beer I'll take to any party. He's that steady. I go to. He's there. He's <laughs> been there for a long, yep, long time. That's what we've got in the kegerator right now is Racer Five. That's the beer that every IPA started out wanting to be like. Yep. Um, when it first came out, God, that was in the nineties. Every, I mean, it was so bitter that people couldn't really understand it at first. And then they started like, that's that was the beer that Stone wanted to be like, yep. that everyone else wanted to be like. Racer 5, they came out with the Racer X, Racer 10, they came out with the 15. 15 is a little bit too sweet for me. Um, but yeah, that that was like the, the beer to be. You know, that was probably one of the beers you first recommended for us to get on tap. It might have been. Right might when we, back way, way Sculpin back. was probably the beer that I told you to get out, like the... Way yeah. back, the yeah. First, once once I moment. realized the depth of Derek's knowledge about craft beer, we definitely, uh, Eric and I started bending his ear to help us improve the yes. beer program over at, at Cali. Which we just now, live in this mecca of, of uh, really, really good beer. We're so, so we, lucky. We, we we do. To, I'm we do. loving right now, I'm loving Virgin, mm-hmm. which is up by us in Carlsbad, and Artifacts. Are, they're both making some really great. I'm an IPA. I love IPA. Yeah. Um, I, can, I love every beer. I can appreciate every beer, but uh, the IBUs get a little over like ninety-five to me. It's just I, I can't. Um, it's almost not palatable for me. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't like it too bitter. Your your palate can only go so high. So people are like, "Oh, there's a, a IPA that has one hundred and forty IBUs." Well, guess what? Your palate can't even. T- when it doesn't, it just wrecks your whole right. all your, your whole right. mouth. So, um, but I'm, I'm a big, big fan of balanced IPAs. If you can find a good balanced IPA, I'm all in. I like uh, the higher ABVs sometimes, double IPAs, um, and then I like darker beers as well. Um, 
2 a.m. bike ride from Fall is mm-hmm. one of my favorite uh, nitro stouts. Board meeting from Port, which is uh, I like brown. that coffee, obviously my Browns, mm-hmm. and I, I've always loved Alpine Nelson. As yeah. my, it's a little harder to find after the Green Flash collapse, but uh, right. I love well, Alpine Nelson. Well, it's not the Green days. Flash collapse. <laughs> what happened? So I'm I'm friends with Sean McElhaney, though from owner. Alpine, yeah. yeah. So he, uh, I talked to him all the time. I actually just talked to him yesterday, and I'll, I'll tell you what we talked about. Um, in a minute, but um, the Nelson, what happened is that they were going through so many of the Nelson hops, hops that they couldn't get a contract to be able to get all those Nelson hops from New Zealand. Um, so they had to wait like two and a half years until they can get all the hops in that farm could say, yes, we'll, we'll bring them over. So it took them a, a long, long time. And uh, But I was just talking to Sean and um, McElhaney in we did a anniversary beer. So we've been in business for mm-hmm. 62 years. Um, our 60th anniversary, me and Sean did a collaboration on a beer, and it was called Valley Farm Market oh, 60th awesome. um, from Alpine Brewing. So I, I'll, I'll be completely honest. I fucking hate Green Flash. I hate, <laughs> I hate, I hate everyone in the company. I, I, I don't like anyone at, at Green Flash. I took them out of my store. Um, they, they try to fuck us over on the 60th anniversary beer. Um, but... Now that it's kind of dissipating yeah. and Sean's yeah. able to do his thing again, mm-hmm. um, we're gonna we're looking at doing my beer again. Nice, cool. and awesome. they're gonna start canning in sixteen ounce cans. They haven't done it yet, and uh, he's like, "Your anniversary beer might be the first." Yeah. Beer I don't care do. if it's called Alpine. Whatever he's doing is yeah. what, yeah. Is yeah. what yeah. I want to yeah. drink. The name is that. irrelevant. Yeah. Well, well, <laughs> Scott, the Scott, their head brewer, is a fucking mastermind. He is he is awesome, awesome guy. Um, they're both great. They're actually coming on Monday to pick up grapefruits because of grapefruit uh, beer that they just did. Um, they're going to do it again. Um, their Kiwi Herman that they did, he uh, got. All, I gave him all the strawberries for that, and I actually have like three cases in the in the office. Um, when uh, my employees are bugging me, I just indulge real quick. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, it's amazing what they do. Their their HFS is off the charts man that uh, i think that won a bronze medal of the great american beer festival this year so they're, they're great they're great they just they need to be allowed to do what they want because exactly. they're, they're, they're such geniuses when it comes to to that but yeah yeah one of the coolest things for me is Corey, our producer here he's taken over the role of uh beer buying for cali comfort working with derek so he also works with derek and with Derek's knowledge and with what Corey's able to do, he's been implementing with Eric, our general manager, you know, tasters and being able to do all different things with untapped, you know, finding out yeah. what do people want? What are the bartenders? You know, just like up at Regal Siegel, we have, a, you know, we talked about it when I was on your podcast. It's we have a village, you know, so our village, we trust the people that come in that they interact with our bartenders and we learn their lives and we're there as a resource for them. But if they find a beer that they were like, Hey, I was in North park and this beer was incredible. You know, they let us know having someone like Corey embrace the process because it was something new for him and it was additional, but he took that on and now he's working with Eric, working with Derek. And, you know, now we have such a, a craft beer program that I can be so proud of. And when I go to Regal Siegel, they have the same thing. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. You it's, have a great you yeah have no great and I noticed the difference actually having just been there recently when we we went by and I was trying to remember from back in some of the older days at yeah. Cali Comfort I said uh, 
Sean's got some better beers on tap here and a, a better well, selection. You. That means a lot going than I remember. The credit before. goes. The credit goes to Corey and Derek and uh, and Eric for sure. But that was me getting out of my own way. I'm just really good at drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I was a professional drinker, which is why I don't drink anymore. So, right. no, it's uh, it's important. You know, I know when we first talked about it, it's it's hard as a as a restaurant to change the fucking menu all the time that's one of the things that sean has to struggle with right because it's cost money to print menus and, and do all that stuff so you have to find an innovative way to to show your tap list because we have so many damn good beers and they're always and some are seasonal and you don't you never know when they're coming out and if this comes out and let's say society comes out with a beer and they're like yeah we'll give you a, a keg you do not say no you figure it out you get <laughs> it in and and you put it out there so it's uh it's good to see as much credit as Sean wants to give over here that he was open to embrace that, you know, it sucks. It sucks. that you have to print out a new menu and, and, and figure out what's going on and be in the know, of the beer instead of just doing the, the numbers every day. But that's but what that's people where, want. Yeah. That's where people you're going to get. The I hate the places that never change their tablets. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, like right. get, let's get some new things in here and change right. it up. And one of the best things we ever did for the restaurant was going from eight taps to 24. And yeah. we had to build out an entire keg cooler in order to do that and put in a glycol system. But literally it was one of the best things that we did as a restaurant, you know, throughout the last 10 years. And, and when I'm, you're rotating those, it. yeah, when you're rotating those beers, you're introducing people to new breweries, new flavors of mm -hmm. beer, new styles. Yeah, we were just talking about this. I was talking with some friends about Untapped mm -hmm. and what a great tool that is. The Regal Siegel doesn't use Untapped. Well, they might, but not really. They have a camera that takes a shot of their beer board every two hours. So you can go online to their website really? and then because they change their mm -hmm. their beers so often. How many taps so do they have? They have 24. 24, 24 yeah. It's a good number. Yeah, 24. Yeah, Brody's Burgers and Beer, we talked them into finally getting a, um, a big screen that they just have on their laptop and they, they switch it out. I mean, that Brody's Burgers and Beers probably has one of the most impressive tap lists in all of San Diego. It's out in Humul. Um, they have been there. It is absolutely awesome. amazing. Yeah. The, they're, Craig Broderick and Beth, um, I've known them for hilarious. a long, long time. They're, oh, they're absolutely fucking hilarious. So fucking funny. Um, but they... They embraced it. So they started. I helped them make their first tap list. I, you know, family, friends did everything I could for them. Um, and then, I mean, if you gave him anything but a Coors Light, he was like, this is fucking horrible. Like, I, like, <laughs> how do you even drink this? I can't. Now he's just like this connoisseur and he just crushes all these beers and he's got a really, really good palate on him. He can tell if, you know, something's a little bit off, that there's diazetol in something or he, he can figure it out. And he, uh, He'll go to these breweries and, and now he's doing some catering so he can go there and they can support each other. And now they're giving him the one off beers that like nobody else in San Diego gets. And, uh, you know, Kern River, when they have uh, the citra that comes out once a year, mm -hmm. he got kegs of that, which no one was getting. Um, so I'm always just like kind of keeping an eye out. Like, what, what are you going to bring in now or what's in your cooler? I actually have a 2013 um, Bourbon County from Goose Island mini keg that I have um, that next year or yeah next year we're gonna do a comparison from the 2013 to the, the that's the a pre-sell that's a pre-sell out to post avian bed yeah yeah, yeah. interesting so, yeah so i have a, a keg just sitting ready to uh, be consumed that's awesome i've almost tapped into it before <laughs> but I, I, I stayed away tempting yeah very very tempting but yeah his his tap list and his burgers he gets all his ground beef from us every morning 
which, you know, I've talked to him about before. I'm like, dude, you don't need to get it every morning. Like, what you do every other day? But he's so adamant about it being fresh. And, and so kudos to them. They just do a great job. Their, their right. buns are from bread and sea. Um, great buns. Their produce is great. Everything they do. I'm a big fan. Sounds like we'd be there a lot if we lived somewhere other than Encinitas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I live out in Humul, so I'm, uh, I frequent. Yeah, we'd be lot. at Cali Comfort a That's lot true, if yeah. we lived closer. Is there any good barbecue up by you guys? Mm. <sighs> Not a lot. We've yeah. mostly come south for barbecue. Yeah. Yeah, we're... Um, at Hig End, Yeah, which is what no, we call at home, our man. House. Most of our barbecue <laughs> is done done in-house. Um, you know, I, I love Sean, Cali Comfort, and then uh, Granol is one of my favorites. And he's great. So. And he's great. What do you guys like to cook on your green egg? I know you said you don't do a lot of chicken. We we have done a lot of different things on the egg. I love doing pork. I like I would. Yeah, we we like to experiment. So if we've done something, it'll probably okay. Let's do something else the next time. But mm-hmm. the ones we go back to your pork shoulders for pulled pork, um, tri tips. You know, obviously we live so close to seaside, so right. mm-hmm. part of crack is is in the rotation. Yep. Um, uh, we, ribs, which actually we... I like to sous vide. Yeah, we've, we've done them all full on the egg, but we found that they work so much better. Shell's got a big sous vide that she does, and then we just finish them on the yeah, egg for the... Yeah, I sous vide the, pork, er, the ribs and then finish them on the egg, and they're so good like that. They just fall off the bone. And Yeah, they're they're good. Those sous vides have been really taken off. I think they're doing some... Re- restaurants are using them. Yeah. Well, have you guys looked at it yet? Uh, we have uh, Gene and For, Gene. We did a cooking class over at William Sonoma with Gene yeah. with the sous vide. Yeah. But yeah, as far as in, in the restaurant, I mean, it's that would be another another step that we'd have to take. I don't even know how that would work. I mean, you'd have to have a huge bat full yeah. of in multiple ones mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. And, you know, I, I bought one a year ago and I was so gung ho on doing it and I did some steaks on it and they turned out great. Mm-hmm. But then I, I got lazy and I just haven't been right. able to like. I told myself I'm going to vacuum seal a bunch of steaks at the, at the store, throw them in the freezer. So when I need them, I just pull them out, throw them in the water with the sous vide, leave, come home, and I don't fucking do it. I have three kids, four, two, and two months. So you got to plan in advance. That's the great Shell does. I mean, she likes meal planning. So right. all right, we're going to do ribs tomorrow. So today I'm going to drop them in the sous vide. So right. we're ready tomorrow to take them out and put them on the green egg to finish, you know, with a little smoke and sure. smoke and sauce at the end. So tell us, uh, give us a little bit of behind the smoke of, uh, of Woodsy, Stephen Woods, your new co-host. Mm-hmm. Woodsy is, um, he's what you hear on the radio. He's, he's <laughs> he, not, yeah. He calls it like he sees he's it. He's very, uh, he's very open about who he is, uh, flaws and all. I think he's great. Um, I've really enjoyed working him with him the last four months. Shall you, I mean, you, you agree. He's a great guy. He's, I love he, him. he is a great guy. Um, he uh, he's definitely he's got so much energy in the morning, which we, he makes a joke out of it because I obviously have less. I get a lot less <laughs> sleep, so I kind of drag in at at five fifteen, and he's just a bundle of energy. And he says, "I'll just I'll, you know he'll talk my ear off for forty five minutes while I'm just kind of sitting there going over my notes right. just kind of looking and then i wait until six o'clock and the light goes on and then i okay it's ben yeah. woods on San Diego, but until then i'm just like uh <laughs> and he is but he is like he is peppy all the time in the morning and ready to go you're kind of like that though even before we podcast like i'll be sitting there chatting with whoever we're gonna have on and you're just like zoned out like you're in like some pre on-air you, you well, go I mean, to it's some, like an athlete or right? something. And like before tra- a game, you know, they got, you got to get into your 
your zen place. Yeah, you don't yeah, want to. Yeah. No one goes out. And, you know, waste all your energy right before the game. You save it up, and then as soon as kickoff or the broadcast light goes on, then then you come out. I would do that. I made the mistake when I was in college, and um, I would listen to you know before warm ups. We'd go out and. I'll be listening to my headphones, some crazy music, going through the warm-ups, going, going crazy. And then I was spent. I was tired. So what I ended up doing is that I'd listen to Jimmy Buffett before I'd go out, have my <laughs> headphones on, and I'd just be like kind of, you know, doing our stretches and, and doing our thing. Come back in. Right before we went out, it was Metallica. Rage, tired, rage Against the Machine. Like, Let's go. You know? But then my coach would get mad because I'm like – I'm kind of nutty, and I'd go off sides, and I'd have personal fouls. He's like, "What the fuck are you doing? Relax. You know, like, <laughs> get back to your Jimmy Buffett stuff, and right? you, play, you play a lot better when you're fucking just kind of a little more calm." Like, oh, chill. All right. Well, one thing I did want to ask you was kind of your journey in media, traditional media. Now, you know, doing a podcast. Where do you see? What are your What are your fears? I guess of what's happening with the segmentation of what's hap- what's going on. I don't really I'm not really afraid of what's going to happen. You're in the optimistic. Future. Guy. Yeah, no, well, it's it doesn't I mean while the medium may change, the and I think we talked about it when you came up on our podcast, the telling of the stories, um, the content that you provide, you they're always going to need to be people who provide content. Sure. Um, it may come on a sports radio station, and then it was satellite radio. Or, or podcasting, I, we, it may not even been invented yet how we're yeah. all going to get our information in the future. But someone still has to be able to put it together. There's never going to be a, a computer or a robot that can replace a person that can make a personal connection with an audience. Right. That's what I do. So I, the only thing that I want to make sure is I always am committed to being open to whatever new formats are out there, podcasting, um, and if that's what the future is, then we're ready for it. This we'll do podcasts, and and uh, the trick is always you know monetizing it and you know finding a way to make a living. Well, that's that's the real question. out of it. Um, but you know you do it well. That there should be competition. The right people should be the ones. There's a lot of people who make a lot of money on podcasts. Do you think it has to do with the format? Because I think I mean we talked when we had Scott Kaplan. We actually did the podcast in the middle of Mighty 1090 in the in the studios, and I asked him. When are the sales reps in Mighty 1090 going to understand that, you know, brands are going to not want 15 seconds of airtime for a commercial that's already been pre-read. They're going to actually want a Facebook live video or they're going to want a tweet or they're going to want an Instagram post. Um, What do you see as far as I mean, because when Woods shared about can people change on one of the segments you guys had, that was less to do about sports and more to do about him as a man. And that's compelling radio. And that's storytelling at its best. It is. And, uh, you know, we always sports is our jumping off point. They always say, see if you can at least be able to reach sports from wherever you go. But feel free to travel around a little bit. Uh, because that's where you make connections, is the story that Woods told. That's the audience. And in terms of, you know, as you say, the sales staff, I think that's why sports talk radio has always been successful. We don't get the biggest ratings in town. You know, the pop top 40 stations get that rating but the people who listen to sports talk radio really listen i mean they're listening to us and if we choose to do an endorsement or a commercial we can trust that our audience will actually you know absorb that and listen to it they're not just flipping off on every commercial break and if we talk about something we we have that relationship that if i tell them yeah go go to cali comfort go to valley farm market they're gonna okay if, if ben says it's good then i should give that place to try and i don't think you get that necessarily 
with traditional like FM radio. So that's why I like what we do in podcasts are the same. If yeah, you know, I if I we don't have a sponsor on ours, but we would never take one on unless we actually believed in what they were selling and what they were doing. Yeah, I know a lot of people are making a lot of money on podcasts, and it's but it's one of those things that we talked about. It's the same thing as barbecue. It will come. And you're going to mess it up at first. You're not going to make a lot of money at first and things aren't going to happen. But if you do it right and if you pay attention to the details and you pay attention to what people want to listen to and, and take advice from people that are telling you, you know, hey, that was great. But can you guys have some more of these people on or this or that? Take advice from that. And, and like you were talking about, we would rather have people that are truly engaged than having a ton of listeners that just don't care if all you're worried Absolutely. about is how you're going to make money on your podcast yeah. it's not going to be a very no. good podcast <laughs> no. it won't you, last you have not to pick something you are passionate about that other people are passionate about and that you can share with the community then you get started and then if it's going well then you start figuring out ways okay can we work it in sponsors or get a national relationship that's fine but that you don't start there you that's where you end we did and, get our our first our rendezvous perk though we are going to the Great American Beer Festival. Oh, yes. Oh, that's nice. rad. As Colorado? media members, yes. There we Good go. Now you. we're talking. For the podcast. See? So I'm stoked about that. I've been many times. Did you like, reach, out, did you reach times. out to them? Yep. Good yeah, for no, you. Yeah. I just, I, I filled out a media credential saying, hey, we have a podcast. That's we good talk for about you. beer. We'd love to bring it on the show on the road and uh, do some interviews and, and post some episodes and we got we got approved so we, we get to that's so incredible it'll be ben's first time going to gabf because he we've always had the chargers and yep. it's in september so he's always had to work so he's right. never come with me so it's okay to not sample everything <laughs> slow, <laughs> go slow of the football right? team leaving town yeah. yeah i actually can take a sunday off in september there you go once in my life now it's uh, <laughs> uh I, I, not happy about it but there are some things that I can, Well, good for you. I mean, that's something that we went to National Barbecue Association and we went as media credential to cover the event, to talk about the event. And, you know, audio is just something that people are engaged in listening to things that they love. And that's the best part about podcasts is you can dig down, dig deep into things that you love and listen to stories that you care about. Yeah. You know, and we're, we're fortunate to have anybody listen to this podcast and, you know, people that are going to come out to... Del Mar, they're going to come out to big go to the Big Green Egg experience. I mean, people, Big Green Egg has stepped up. They're going to give away a Mini Max for any one person's going to win a Mini Max as long as you vote for your your favorite restaurant, your favorite PC team, favorite dessert, and favorite um, seafood. Yeah, I'm going to have my wife secretly do something <laughs> so, so she can win and we can. Yeah. Have so I, I do have a Max. question yes. about uh, the barbecue championship at Del Mar. We're doing tri tip. We love tri tip. Yes. We eat a lot of tri tip, but. Not as judges. We just eat it personally. So any advice? As well, to- this is the cool part is that you guys are celebrity judges. So you're actually going to come in to the KCBS meeting of judges. So you get to actually see the the real behind Criteria, the scenes. See how it's done. Correct. Because I want yes. to do a good That's job. Awesome. That's awesome. Right. So I take things seriously. And we, uh, we have Arlie Bragg. We have Gene Goykachea. We have the Macintoshes. I mean, we have the best KCBS reps that are possible. And It'll, it'll blow your mind away the way that they go through the judging process. I'm not worried. I mean, so Shell excited. has an amazing palate for beverages and food, and, and I think mine's okay, too. Right. But I want to do. So I want to take this very seriously. I'm not... They have criterias and tenderness and taste and all you know, different, different things, and it's, um, you know, it is subjective a little bit, but you'll be able to tell the difference between a good one and a bad one. I mean, it's very, uh, you know, you talked about Cardiff Crack. 
that wouldn't do anything for this competition. Not because it's not good. It's just different than a competition style meat. Right. So it's, it's, it's not a little about more, the marinade. It's about the, the, the mush book. that it's it comes how tender, yeah. like it almost like falls apart. It wouldn't be that good for a tri-tip competition in this. No, um, I can see that. But you, you'll be able to, to tell and you'll know how things are cut. You, you'll be able to look at a tri-tip and be like, that wasn't cut right. That was uh, cut with the grain instead of against the grain. You'll be able to see smoke rings. You'll be able to see the um, if it was charred, if it was reverse seared. And But, I mean, you'll you'll thoroughly enjoy it. It's, uh, again, just like the Great American Beer Festival. Just, you know, sometimes just a bite <laughs> is enough. You don't need to finish what's on your plate. Yeah, that's right. Me, like I said, my difficulty. Both when I've judged and when I've done the Great American Beer Festival, I'm a very gluttonous guy. So it's like, like oh, samples, free beer? And, man, I was just so hammered. Um, I couldn't even taste any. They're like, do you remember what you did yesterday? I'm like, nope. No, no idea. <laughs> um, and then with the, the judging the food, it's like, man, they're going to give you some. You, you just need to take a bite. You don't need to eat the whole thing on the plate. That's we're opposite. You Ben's watch me, the just, food guy, yeah. and I'm the one that well, will have Chello, trouble at she GABF. hands it to me like oh, I can't finish this. Here, you eat this, so yeah. now I'm eating mine and hers, right? <laughs> Which isn't a bad thing. Uh, <laughs> Normally, you, you can you can do it once or twice a year at Del Mar and Spring Valley. Though. That's true. This go. is true. Uh, this week, we do want to give our social shout out. Um, we're very excited. All the people that have been sending us DMs, letting us know they're going to come out to the Turf and Surf uh, event. Those tickets are on sale, um, but every week we give out a Behind the Smoke mug to uh, one of our listeners. Uh, thank you guys for subscribing and telling friends about the podcast. But uh, this is going out to Sean Conahan, who is actually a Cali server that loves barbecue. Um, he came out to Egg Fest with his family. He purchased tickets for the Turf and Surf. He tweeted out those tickets, um, and he's part of the barbecue journey. He actually might sign up to compete in spring valley's event you know he's just a really fucking good dude man he is i, I he's he's just always Padre's genuinely Twitter. nice yep. he's just a good good guy i'm, I'm happy he works that, full uh, time and he does this, this his side job is coming to be a server you know a couple days a week just make to, it, he has to make it happen he's got a family to support happen. and it's there's no excuses and guys like that are who, who i'm drawn to and I, you know i again i can't say it enough i just think he's a really cool dude yeah we appreciate you guys for uh letting us know you, you um people told us that they had a great time listening to the Sam the Cooking Guy. Um, we had him back on last week, and they really appreciated it. Did I tell you I went down there? No. I had six tacos. Not, not really? tacos? Fuck yeah. I had six, six tacos? I had six tacos. What's I, I want to know what were in these tacos. <laughs> yeah, I, had, yeah, I had a meatloaf. Yeah. I had uh, the curry egg. I had the pastrami. I had a um, shrimp. I had uh, Korean short rib. And I had... Uh, Five out of six isn't bad. You can remember. Um, That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Come on, Derek. <laughs> meatloaf. I had meatloaf. Yeah, you yeah said the that one the mac and cheese one. Mac and cheese. Oh. Yep, oh. there was mac and cheese. We need to get over there. And I absolutely crush him. So we talked about it when he was here. But the tortillas, killer, phenomenal. I'm, I'm, I'm a connoisseur. Kind of know what I'm talking about when it comes to tortillas. And man, it was amazing. He did an amazing job. The staff, the line was really really long. They got us through quick. You know, and it was, uh, I remember when he was talking about how he gets mad when people don't eat right away. Yeah. I was bringing them back, but I walked to my truck and I'm like, fuck. I just heard his voice. Oh, in my that's head. so like, funny. So I just opened him up in my truck. <laughs> that's and so funny. Yeah. You heard him in your head. Yeah. Well, uh, we're fired up. Uh, very thankful to have Ben and Shelly. You guys are amazing. Um, thank you. Please listen to their podcast, Our Rendezvous. Um, if you're up at Regal Siegel, uh, get the bratwurst because it's fucking phenomenal. 
Um, for us, we're grateful that you guys listened to this. I'm heading out to Canton this weekend. Uh, next week, we're going to bring on Brad Angle from Flagship uh, Cruises. And uh, we're getting closer and closer day and day to uh, Del Mar. It's happening. And if you guys do come out to Del Mar, make sure you guys uh, reach out to us, DM us. We'd love to meet you, talk to you. Um, we, we will definitely make time. So thanks for listening. And thank you guys for coming. Thanks for having thank us. You. Thank, you thank you so much. Hey guys, this is Sean and Derek, and we just really want to thank you for listening to the podcast. It means the world to us. We'd like you to go check out BehindTheSmokeMedia.com. That's our website where we have barbecue resources for you to help build your barbecue business. Uh, we also have events listed, so anything that's happening in the West Coast barbecue movement, uh, anything that's going on, we want you to go check that out so you can learn more and get involved. We also have show notes uh, from all the episodes, so anything we talked about in the episodes, you can find detailed show notes there. Um, plus, you can just get in touch with us. It's important that uh, we're here as a resource for you, so please reach out. Let us know how Derek and I can help you with your barbecue journey. Uh, get involved, stay curious, and uh, follow us on social, at Barbecue War Stories. Uh, we'll talk to you soon.